welcome to The Working Wellbeing. My name is Nicole Tedeschi, and I'm your host who is shining light on the unique journeys of such brave individuals from all different backgrounds and occupations who are speaking out about their own struggles and what has helped get them through. Words of healing, learning, and growth hear conversations that are full of resilience and humanity. This platform is about mental health advocacy and helping each other when navigating the everyday routines of life, no matter what that looks like. This is a space to relate and bring inspiration as we are here to get through together in unity. Thank you for being here. And I only hope that this podcast makes you believe more that your story matters that you are capable of facing the unknown, that you are more than enough, and that you are not alone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. All right. I am over the moon with joy for this podcast episode because I have with me the incredible Erin Sullivan. She is a third grade math teacher, wife, and new mama. She is also one of my favorite humans on the planet with the most amazing words of wisdom. Aaron and I met in high school and stayed close ever since with our tight best friend group. Being there for each other and watching each other grow has been such an adventure. Um, Aaron, you are seriously a breath of fresh air. I always Aww. say this when it comes to so many things, especially when it comes to perspective and shining a light on the small but mighty things in life that gets us through. So welcome and thank you so much for being on here with me today and sharing your story with our listeners. Oh, thanks for having me. You're such a the sunshine of my life, I swear. You know, every time you text me, I'm like, it's Nicole. <laughs> You're so sweet. I do the same thing with you. Oh, it's Aaron. <laughs> sunshine. Yes. I'm so glad uh, to be here. I'm so excited to add to what you were saying. I am a third grade math teacher, but I have taught all subjects in third grade and ESE last year as well during the pandemic. Um, oh, yeah. And it's my sixth year, so I'm still pretty new to this whole game, but I love it. It was a struggle in the beginning, um, just like any new job, but yeah, I'm to really love my career. So yeah. And six years, I feel like, whew, it hasn't really been that long. That's crazy. I know. Time flies oh. when you're teaching children. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's never a dull moment. Every day is so different. Let me tell oh you. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I just can't wait to just dive into all these questions and get your, your thoughts on things and just your journey, your experience overall, I think is just so good. And I think so amazing for people to hear that are maybe wanting to get into teaching or want that perspective and want to hear from an elementary school teacher who has just been such a badass um, through these past <laughs> six years. So I just cannot wait to dive in. If you're ready, I will start the questions. Ask away. All right. Awesome. First question is, do you remember when you first realized the importance of your mental health and overall well-being? Where were you in your life and how was that experience? 
Okay. So I've always been an overall, you know, pretty optimistic human. Mm -hmm. And when I was fresh out of college back in 2016, um, I graduated from IRSC and I was still at home with my parents and I got hired and had to commute 30 minutes every day to a school that was really struggling in terms of keeping teachers and managing behaviors with students who, you know, needed a lot of help. And I've led a very fortunate life, you know, knock on wood. I'm so grateful every day for the things that have been handed to me and the things that, you know, I just lucked out with. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me at first when I started teaching and realizing, wow, these kids have gone through more in their, you know, eight years of life than I've experienced in my, at the time, 22 years of life. And it was hard to kind of relate to them. Mm. And I went through a major depression that first year. Um, I second guessed my entire college degree. And that was also the year that I moved into my first apartment with my then fiance. Mm. And we were also planning a wedding. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was just all of the things at once, you know, leaving my parents' house and feeling like a grown up and yes. wanting to deal with things in a grown up manner, but not really knowing how, because I had been kind of sheltered up to mm-hmm. that point. Um, but that is the year that I realized that my mental health had to be a priority mm-hmm. because if it wasn't, how was I going to show up for these kids every day and put on a mask that everything was fine when for them, you know, they might not even know where their next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here not knowing how to relate to that. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely the first time in my life where I experienced that situation and knew that, like I said, my mental health was a priority. Ooh, it's so many new things to like yeah. absorb. I don't know so. if you remember this, but I was um, on the verge of quitting and I had half my family saying, we'll support you, we'll help you, whatever you want to do. And then the other half of my family saying, you got to stick it out. You know, it's rough, but you've got to give it a chance. And I'm so glad I listened to that half of the family because it's such a fulfilling career. Mm -hmm. You know, the money isn't everything. You don't join it for the money, obviously. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, I go home knowing at least one of my students learned something from me and just hoping that years down the road, they'll look back like I do about my third grade teacher and say mm-hmm. like, Oh, Miss Sullivan, she was so cool. Or, you know, whatever it is, or she was such a nerd, but I love that. <laughs> you know, it just, like I said, it's fulfilling. And oh. I hope I can stick with it for the next 26 years or so. Oh, <laughs> I'm also so glad that you stuck with it because, um, I do really feel whenever you talk about your job, whenever you talk about your students, that, it is something so dear to your heart. My next question is, and I know this is a loaded question, but you know, how has it been finding work-life balance as an elementary school teacher? And also definitely feel free to chime in as far as like the pandemic and finding balance within that time. Well, to go back to my first and second years of teaching, um, like I said, I was commuting mm-hmm. about 30 minutes and I would go to work 
at like 7.20 and I wasn't supposed to be on the clock until 7.45, but I like to get there early just to have more time to plan. And we weren't um, dismissed until 3.10, but I would sometimes stay till 4, 4.30. And then I wasn't getting home until 5 p.m. most days, my first Mm -hmm. two years. And Brady sat me down and he's like, listen, I know you're just getting into the groove, but you have to figure out how to separate work and home. Mm. which is such a struggle to this day, but I have gotten better at it. And you really have to have two brains, a work brain and a home Mm -hmm. brain, especially now that I have my son, because I don't want to do him an injustice by, you know, staying at work until 4 PM and him sitting in my classroom, like, mom, can we go home? (laughs) I'll be it. He's only three months old, but (laughs) down the road, I'm sure he'll have feelings as to, um, not wanting to stay at school that late. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the struggle was feeling prepared for the next day Mm -hmm. and also knowing how to close out that day's work grades and and putting Mm -hmm. things and contacting parents that needed to be um, given information or after school programs. There was just so much and, you know, teachers wear so many hats. I'm sure you've heard that over and over or nurses and um, caregivers and psychologists and, you know, in a word, Mm -hmm. not literally, of course, but there's a lot on our plates, like any career. Um, but when kids are involved, it just seems so much more intense. Mm. And when I go home at night to not think of my students who are really struggling in the academic area or are learning anger management skills, and you're sitting there at night trying to find ways to get through to them. Like Mm -hmm. what strategy can I tell little Johnny to help him with his anger issues? Mm -hmm. And why is he so angry? What's going on in his life? And you have to kind of be a detective without really letting them know what you're up to. You know, you can't just sit down and be like, why are you so angry? Yeah. (laughs) They don't, they don't know why sometimes. Um, but it's hard to turn your brain off and, it helps having a husband who kind of forces me to like, Hey, (laughs) you want to go for a walk or let's cook dinner together. Let's watch a movie. Um, just having that person, whether it's your husband or whoever your significant other is, or a friend or family member, but just someone, if you're thinking of going into the teaching career that reigns you back in and says, Hey, like work isn't everything, Mm -hmm. you know, be present at home. Cause that comes all, all the way back to your mental health. You have to recharge at the end of every day. Uh, so true. And oh my goodness. When you had said, um, you know, helping your children with not just the core, you know, academics, trying to figure out how to fit in with helping their anger issues, or if they're feeling sadness. So teachers are more than just, you know, teaching academics, you're fitting yeah. in so many different things to help your students all around. It makes it more intense, like you said, when it involves children. Yeah. And to touch on the pandemic, when that first started and we were teaching from home, you know, the whole world shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, it was weird teaching from home because you had one or two students that would actually link on with you and you'd teach your lesson. And then you had the other kids who you were trying to call every day, like, where are you? You know, you're missing lessons. And mm-hmm. that was a whole nother battle. Um but on some days at, you know, at 310, you got to log off and go be home, even though you were already in your pajamas yeah, <laughs> and you weren't allowed to leave. And 
that was a whole nother situation. You know, I will say, thank God for technology Mm. because there were so many platforms that already existed that we got to utilize uh, in terms of connecting our kids online. And when we first got word that schools were shutting down, we were actually sitting in a meeting. This was before spring break. And I was in the library with all the faculty and staff and our principal was speaking about how, you know, she doubted that we would be shutting down. And, you know, we were just trying to get a feel of what this COVID-19 really was and how intense it was going to be. And as she's saying this, I'm getting a notification through Twitter at Disneyland. Disneyland had just shut down. So I turned to my coworkers and I said, we're not coming back to school. Uh. And then that next Friday after school, it was like 20 minutes from dismissal. And we got an an all call, like an announcement from the overhead intercoms. And it was our principal saying, please check your emails. We go to our computer and it's saying, please send all of these materials home with your students. We will be shutting down. And then it was Uh, spring break the next day. Oh my God. So we're all scrambling to get these textbooks and these pages. And we're all like, ah, this is impossible. They're about to leave. Like we're trying not to panic to, you know, try to keep our cool for our kids, but it was impossible. So our kids went home pretty much empty handed. (laughs) And then we just went from there and we just made it work. However, we had to. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine the like anxiety and the like uncertainty. I mean, of, of course, you know, the whole world, but like these little children are like trying to understand what's going on. They can't wrap their heads around like what this reality is, you know, it's going to be their reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But going back really quick, when I told my coworkers, we weren't going back because Disneyland was closed. They're like, how do you know we're not going back? I'm like, listen, (laughs) Disneyland does not close. The only time it's ever closed in history was in 63 when uh, JFK was assassinated. Oh my God. So I was like, if Disneyland is closing because of COVID-19, you best bet (laughs) our schools Mm -hmm. are closing. So, you know, just a little fun fact for you, (laughs) but yeah, it was a few months of online teaching and then summer came. So we had a break Mm -hmm. and then um, thank goodness for summer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but school was a hybrid. So half our students were in school and the other half were still online. Oh yes. Okay. Forgot that part. Gosh. Uh, So (laughs) many different things. I know. I feel you (laughs) things that affected this so much that it's just like, oh yeah, that was, that was an obstacle. That was something to, to have to get through. And did, were you able to connect or, or understand even the students that were remote from you? Um, could you tell how they were as far as like their well-being? Yeah, we, um, I have a partner teacher, had a partner teacher. She's now, a, I now have a, a different partner teacher. Um, but during the pandemic, she asked me, Erin, do you want to drop off some books to our students? I was like, sure, but how are we going to do that? We have like 42 kids between the two of us. And she's like, I'm not sure. Um, and then I had the idea of, using kind of like a UPS delivery system map. So I Googled it and there's a way to input all the addresses. And then it makes like the quickest, most efficient route route, route, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it took us all day, but we drove to every student's house and dropped off books and some (sighs) um, donut holes. And about half of them were home. And when 
you know, their parent came to the door and it was us. They're like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so look who's here. And it was half of them were super excited. The other half were kind of stunned. (laughs) And one of our students, you know, a student who kind of struggles through life, but still has quite the positive outlook. He came to the door and his whole face was, he was just shocked that we were there and that we, um, I think he thought we were only coming to his house. He felt so special (laughs) and you all let him believe that, but he, uh, you could tell it really made an impact. So we found a way through, you know, just online teaching to try to connect with them and show them that we still cared. Of course we were safe. We socially distanced, we wore Mm -hmm. masks and we're, you know, all clean and Mm -hmm. antibacteria and things like that. But Mm -hmm you know, just telling them, Hey, we're still here. We didn't forget about you. (laughs) And for the kids that weren't logging in, it was kind of a wake up call for them and their parent, like, Hey, here's a book, (laughs) show up to class. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Just, especially through this time, such an amazing, you know, um, way of connection and, and to let them know that, you know, they're not alone and, and you guys are going to get through this back in the classroom together again. And now you are, so it's just, well, now you're, I know you're on the last of your maternity leave. Yes. Um, you're going to go back, but happy. (laughs) Yes. And that actually stemmed from our principal's my principal and our assistant principal during that time uh-huh. showed up to all the teachers' houses, oh. with donuts, and just them showing that they cared, you know, trickled down to our students, mm. which was cool. Ah, uh, that's beautiful. I love that so, so much. Could you share with us um, your thoughts about, you know, mental health and well being within the education system? And what you have seen and experienced yourself through your children that you teach, through the children that you teach. I'm sorry, can't talk. Um, <laughs> I have wine. Me and Aaron have wine right now. We're just- Cheers. <laughs> Speaking but, of. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to hear more about that of like, you know, how that has been through your whole journey with teaching, you know, seeing the mental health and well-being within the education system, you know, what are your thoughts around that and, and your experience, what you've seen? Um, a couple of years ago, we actually passed a referendum, which was just a bill that, uh, St. Lucie County citizens voted on in terms of raising teacher pay and, getting more funds for things like mental health and school security. And, you know, there's a whole pie chart I could show you of (laughs) things that the referendum uh, money poured into. Um, And a chunk of that quote unquote pie chart was for mental health. And they started a program called SEL, which is social emotional learning because after the pandemic, um, actually, I think they started this before the pandemic, Hmm. which is ironic, Um, but they realized how important mental mental health is for our students. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a way to check in with our kiddos every day. Unfortunately, it's another one of those things added to our plates that you can't always find time for in a day, especially when you have, you know, testing going on or, Mm -hmm. you know, these standards that you have to teach all your students and they have to be proficient. And if they're not proficient, then you don't get your teacher bonus and Mm -hmm. you're not considered highly um, qualified, you know, we get observed by our principals and they give us a certain score 
And then they take that score and they mix it in with how your students perform at the end of the year, whether it's through their standardized testing or some other form of um, just a way to measure their growth. Okay. And so after they take those two things, like I said, you get your highly effective, effective, or not so effective rating. Mm-hmm. And that's attached to money. Mm. So you have to, as a teacher, ask yourself, okay, am I going to spend the 30 minutes with the SEL, the social emotional learning, or am I going to focus more on these academics today? Because that's attached to my paycheck. And mm. I have to, in my instance, now pay for healthcare for my child and daycare for my child. And my mortgage went up because our taxes went up. Mm. So yeah. it's like, I, I want social emotional learning to be important. Mm-hmm. Yes. But how can I add another thing to, to my plate when it affects my whole life? Yeah. And it's a struggle because you feel guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't check in with them today. Mm. I know I have to, I know I'm supposed to, but I physically couldn't do it. There wasn't enough time. Cause mm-hmm. if I don't, if I don't teach the standard, then they're missing a whole chunk of what they're tested on. Mm. And then our school grade is attached to that. So it's just a whole, it's a whole mess. Yeah. There's a good amount of pressure. pressure And I hope that whole spiel made sense. I'm not complaining in any way. I hope it's not sounding like that. I'm just, Mm -mm. you know, that's, that's the realization because you want to keep your job and you, you want to get as much pay as you can to survive. Mm Mm-hmm. And my husband's also a teacher, so he experiences the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult. It's so much that you're giving just yeah. nonstop every day. And it really, it takes a village. We have what's mm-hmm. called M- MTSS, multi-tiered system of support, where we meet in the mornings with um, groups of students and we, you know, zone in on their needs, whether it's reading and math, whatever it might be. And the whole school, Nicole, gets involved. From our, you know, custodians who we could not survive with our custodians. Like they never get the credit they deserve. We could not run a school without our custodians. So shout out to them. Um, But everyone from our custodians to our PE coaches, um, Mm -hmm. our social workers, everyone pulls kids and helps zone in on their learning needs. Mm -hmm. So that's a purely academic time. Um, And then in terms of mental health, that sometimes just becomes a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. So if a teacher notices something's going on with one of their students, they send that email and that social worker's there Mm -hmm. pulling that student to their office and seeing what they can do. And, you know, I couldn't do it without every staff member at my school and every colleague that has become a true friend. You know, I've had countless colleagues, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. show up to my house because they just wanted to meet Henry and see how I was doing and bring me food. And, you know, it's just, people are great. Mm -hmm. You know, a few people try to ruin things, but I think overall humanity has done a pretty good job so far. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. And, um, I definitely wanted to tie in, you know, you being a new mom. (laughs) And so 
Uh, I know your baby was just born in November, um, but definitely Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes. He's a Thanksgiving little turkey. I ate my turkey sandwich in my (laughs) hospital bed and rubbed it in that baby's face. (laughs) I have a picture of me holding it up. Oh, he's looking at me like mom. Mom, please. I just came out of the womb. Three minutes old. Share your turkey sandwich. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it so much. And I love your little boy. And I love seeing you as a mom. Oh my goodness. So how has it been, you know, with your well-being? I definitely wanted to ask about that being a new mom. And, you know, what has helped you the most during this new chapter of your life? So much to talk about. I could go on about this for hours. Um, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. So we got home from the hospital and that night I had Brady bring the bassinet into our guest room because my plan was to sleep in there with Henry um, so that we didn't interrupt Brady's sleep because I knew he only had a week off and then he was going back to work and I wanted to make sure that he was well-rested. Mm-hmm. and, um, everyone's like, Aaron, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> but I was being stubborn. So that first night, Henry and I slept in the guest room and I was so isolated and I felt so alone. And the next day I cried to him and he got up off the couch as I'm crying to him. I'm like, excuse me, I'm talking to you. Like, <laughs> where are you going? And then he walks by a minute later with the bassinet to bring it into our, our master bedroom. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're sleeping in here in our bed. I don't care if he cries, (laughs) you know, I will help you. I'm here stopping stubborn. And so that was the beginning of like, okay, I chose the right guy here. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, the first few nights after that were rough. I was full of hormones, felt incompetent. Like I didn't know what I was doing yet. And Brady sat me down. He's like, listen, you're doing great. You're feeding him. Mm -hmm. He's taken care of. He's safe. And I'm kind of pissed. I don't know if I can swear. Is that okay? No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you can totally swear. And he's like, I'm kind of pissed at you because for your whole pregnancy, you were so excited and you were just, you know, I knock on wood a lot. It's my thing. Mm-hmm. And he could hear me knocking on wood at like 2 a.m. randomly because yeah. I think of something crazy. And he's like, <laughs> what are you thinking of now? Stop it. I'm like, I can't uh, help it. So um, but I just wanted Henry to be healthy. You mm-hmm. know, that was my biggest story. And he said, you're so stressed out now that he's here and you're missing all, I'm going to cry. You're missing all of the beautiful moments because you're so worried. And I think it was a lot of, it was the breastfeeding. It's difficult for a lot of women and it was yeah. painful at first. And I didn't know if I could do it, but here I am three months strong, still breastfeeding. Yes. Um, but for the women who can't, you know, that's okay too. feed your baby. However you have to, mm-hmm. as long as they're fed and clothed and loved and have a clean diaper, nothing else matters. Um, but I know it's a struggle. And so I, I think that was the biggest thing for me was getting over the fact that if I wasn't going to breastfeed, I was just going to give them the formula. Like I had to, but I got through it. Everyone said, give it two weeks. If you can't make it past two weeks, then move on. Mm -hmm. Um, but after he said that to me, like, Hey, our baby's healthy. He's here. He's beautiful and you're missing it. I kind of, he snapped me out of it. And ever since I've just been like loving 
mom life and just trusting my instincts and asking for help when I need it, Mm -hmm. reaching out to other moms and asking for advice, um, calling my mom when I'm not sure of something. And it's funny. Half the time she's like, I don't remember. How do you not remember? She's like, Aaron, you're almost 30. I'm like, I am not almost 30. But you know, just listening to what they had to say about trusting my gut and going from there. That really does hit me because me being a new aunt and mm. and seeing my sister go through having her first children, her first time was two. So she, so she really lucked out. Um, <laughs> they are beautiful. And I just am so in awe just because I, I, um, me, my sister always grew up around adults. We weren't around children much growing up. Same, same here. And yeah, that's so true. You too. And so just when I see that and I see that light so much through you when you're with your son and I see that so much through my sister as well. And just how much it just really, brings you to being present, you know, of course, more to think about more to worry about, but just more to enjoy. So I just, you know, despite, you know, what comes with it. And again, you know, I know so many things do so many, so many things within motherhood that I cannot fathom, of course, by experience, but that is just such, um, you know, that perspective and just, not just living for the moments, you know, yes. cherishing your child, cherishing your child again. I'm drinking. <laughs> Words are not coming out. Right. Take another sip, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Nora was actually one of the many moms that I reached out to uh-huh. um, on my first one of my first nights home about breastfeeding. And I was asking as many people as I could, like, what was your experience? What did you do? How did you get through it? Mm-hmm. Um no mom out there is alone. Yeah. Every single mother goes through the same, you know, motions yeah. when it comes to having a newborn or breastfeeding wow. or, you know, struggling. Yeah. And it's hard going back to that word isolation when you're sitting there at 2 a.m. and you're feeling so alone, your husband's snoring in the other room and you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but how many moms are sitting up at 2 a.m. around the world, mm. taking care of their babies, you know? And before I was a human mom, I was a dog mom like you. Yes. Yeah. My puppy Broly brought him home two days later, went to the vet because he stopped eating and drinking and go to the bathroom. He had parvo. Uh, oh my God. I so remember that. I cried uh-huh. for like a week until he got home. You know, uh. you're still a mom just to a fur baby and you still have those worries. And it's just, you know, it's amplified with a human child but it's the same type of fear. You know, you just want these creatures, these humans, these babies, these kids Mm -hmm. to be okay. Yes. Yeah. And to just be happy and to just live such a great life. Oh my God. And like you said, to just be present Mm -hmm. this phone. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Sometimes I want to throw it through the window because I will waste so much time scrolling. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Put it down go stare at your baby, go for a walk, mm-hmm. go take a drive and listen to your music really loud and wave at the strangers who are making fun of you, <laughs> but just, you know, be present. Like you said. So true. So well said that there are definitely, there is a lot of distractions out there and it's just, 
you know, that perspective of, and my dog is barking right now. Um, <laughs> my fur baby. He's like, mom, <laughs> he's like, I know you're talking about me. Um, but yeah. Okay. I'll leave you. Know. Okay. It's the wine. I swear. No, it's okay. I know. Maybe <laughs> it is wine for me too, Aaron. Uh, it's just making it so funny. Um, but yes, I definitely wanted to know with, you know, that of being a mom with your experience of being a mother, but also anything you have learned about yourself alone outside of being a mom too, through, you know, your mental health journey, through teaching, through anything of your experience. Yeah. So I'm a big perfectionist. I don't know if a lot of people know this about me, but I am that way too. <laughs> you know, if, if I could vacuum every dog hair in my house, I would, but that's not realistic because Same. my dogs shed and <laughs> You know, I used to want a perfect house that was always clean. And my mom said to me one day after our childhood dog, Dixie passed away, she said, Aaron, I love having a clean house, but I miss Dixie. And I was like, what does a clean house and Dixie have to do anything? And she's like, I'd rather have a house full of dog fur Aww. than a clean house. Mm. And that always stuck with me. And then it led me to the thought that my imperfections lead to growth. Yeah. Because if I was perfect, I would never get constructive criticism. I would never make any strides in, mm. in myself and, okay. you know, my imperfections show me more about myself. And, you know, now that I'm not so obsessed with cleaning my house, I can go out and do things and my mind is present instead of worrying about the dirty dishes in the sink and the mm -hmm. fact that, oh, so-and-so is coming over later and the house needs to be clean because what are they going to think about me? And, mm -hmm. you know, just letting stuff like that go so that I can be a happier, healthier person. Not to say that cleaning and having a nice house isn't a good thing because mm -hmm. that's one of my stress relievers is cleaning, but, yes. you know, it's okay to be imperfect because perfection doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And I love that you said this because I am a recovering perfectionist. Um, <laughs> recovering. I like to say, do they have a program for that? <laughs> uh, if they don't, they need to, um, just also social media, you know, it kind of reminds me of that too, with just sharing everything that's great that's going on. And even if there's a whole lot of shit, um, it's just kind of wearing a mask to, to hide it all. And I just think it's just such a bullshit now, <laughs> to be honest, truly like, yep. it just doesn't need to be perfect to be amazing and to be incredible for yourself. And that's all that matters. I feel like, so yeah, it, it's uh, just like a weed, it seeps into everything, you know, your job, your relationships, your need to please people. Oh, that's yes. a whole nother issue. And oh, yes. I mean, you know, there's to a certain extent you want perfectionism. You want mm -hmm. thing, you want to be a professional in your career and you want to maintain your house because you pay a lot of money for it. Mm -hmm. And, but it just, some things are just silly. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media. Yeah. And, you know, we're the first generation that's really dealt with phones yeah. in our pockets. You know, mm -hmm. something my teacher always said, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. Lies. Nah, no, they're a liar. We got it, <laughs> we got it amongst other things. Yeah. Yep. And it's I just agree. a struggle to balance yeah. real reality and your fantasy. Mm -hmm. 
because also I think a, a lot of growing, growing into thinking, okay, visioning one thing for my life, but when you either get there or you haven't got there yet and you're just like, wait, I actually don't want that. Or I actually like, no, like this is actually amazing. Whatever that is that, you know, you may think you may want that, but when you actually get there, maybe you might realize like, this is the worst thing for me. Right. Like, it's just, I think there is like beauty in just being like, okay, let's just see what happens. Or, you know, I'll, I'll, when I get to that point, I'll figure it out or I'll see when I get there. But I just think that there is a lot of pressure nowadays more than when it comes to comparing ourselves to other people Mm -hmm. in our lives. Um, Like you said, people pleasing us, such a huge thing, but you know, there are going to be people that I'm going to disappoint. That doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. Right. And you it's can't just everyone. No, you really can't. You really can't. I, I do truly feel like it's like impossible to please everybody. Because everyone's got an opinion. I think there's yes. a quote about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Opinions are like, I won't say the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Last question here before we get into the rapid fire questions, you know, ask, you know, what is some advice that you would give to your your past self? I know we touched on quite a few of these major learnings with perfectionism and people pleasing, but, you know, maybe is there anything, any advice outside of that, that you would, you know, give to your past self when it came to your overall well-being and, you know, just helping yourself out, what would that be? I think the biggest thing I could tell my past self is it's going to be okay. Mm. You know, so many what ifs and worries you know, where's this path going to lead me? You know, what happens when I have a baby? Um, is this the right career? Um, I've always felt like my, my relationship with Brady was on lock. So that was never really a worry because I felt like he just kind of makes me a better person. Hmm. Um, and that's the kind of person you want to be with. Yeah. But I'm just a worry wart and, you know, past and future Aaron, it's going to be okay. Everything will work out the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And also nothing will work out the way it's supposed to because (laughs) you plan things in your head, you imagine them to be a certain way. And then it's Uh, the complete opposite. So true, but it still works out sometimes even for the better. Ah, so true. I couldn't agree more. I definitely feel like, um, definitely, you might, you might be happier than you would ever think of, um, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen, but just embracing how life is and, and just, you know, sticking through it, never giving up. So, uh, I just loved everything that you said. And so, um, we are now at the rapid fire questions. Um, I'm going to start asking these, and these are just, you know, at the top of your head, quick answers. Um, first thing you think of, what is your favorite stress, stress or anxiety reliever? Something that is a must in your daily life, daily routine. Uh, probably cleaning and listening to the eighties music. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good, such a good one. I love cleaning too. Um, what is your favorite quote that has stuck with you on your mental health journey? Um, probably as the famous Dumbledore quote goes, uh, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. If one only remembers to turn on the light. Ah, uh, 
I was waiting for a Harry Potter reference <laughs> to come out. I really you know was. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. And the next one here we got, who has been your biggest influence when it comes to well-being? My husband, Brady Sullivan, and then oh. this beautiful soul. Her name's, you might know her, uh, Nicole Alexandria Tedeschi. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so, so sweet. It's true, though. It's oh, true. I love you. I love you. Our next one here, what is your favorite classroom hack? This is a really juicy one that I'm going to repeat the question because I just love it so much. What <laughs> is your favorite classroom hack or go-to? This can be something maybe needed at your desk or, you know, or for your students. What is that? That's something that maybe you have. Um, oh, gosh, I think I have a few. So snacks, you know, there's nothing worse than trying to work or get your work done as a student on an empty stomach. So I always have like goldfish or some kind of somewhat decent, healthy snack, Mm -hmm. um, lighting. I have like string lights in my classroom because I hate, 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 loathe entirely, um, fluorescent lighting (laughs) gives Uh, me headaches. And I feel like when your classroom's a little darker with some kind of ambient lighting, it mm -hmm. kind of calms your class. So definitely that. And music. I always play like some kind of instrumental piano music in the background while they're working and just kind of has like a chill classroom vibe. (laughs) I love that. I have always wanted to stop by your classroom. Maybe I can just sneak in one of these days. Come on by. Your classroom sounds amazing and very relaxed. I love that so much. What is your current favorite book? Oh gosh, definitely the Harry Potter series, but I am reading um, A Promised Land. Barack Obama's Ooh. book. Oh, and, um, I just started it a couple of nights ago, but so far it's really interesting. You know, I like to, to read biographies, uh-huh. um, but I really like that one so far. Uh, the next one here is what is one of your favorite things to do for yourself? Something that makes you feel like a friend to yourself, boosts your confidence, self-care, anything like that. What would that be? Um, I definitely don't do it enough for exercise. I love riding my bike. Um, going for walks, anything active. Um, and then doing my nails, I, I bite my fingers, which is atrocious. Um, (laughs) but when I do my nails, it helps me to stop. I remember (laughs) you telling me that. And it's nice to look at your hands and not see something gross, but something pretty (laughs) instead, you know, um, any final advice to those who might be going through similar experiences as you, whether as a new mom or for someone who wants to work in your field? Um, I guess just don't take everything so seriously. Like I said before, laugh at yourself, Mm. make your students laugh. Mm -hmm. And then it's okay to acknowledge what's difficult and cry about it if you have to but then just ask someone with experience for help. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel incompetent, um, but don't give up. The longer you do something, the easier it becomes and life begins outside your comfort circle. Yes, I agree. Could not agree more. Ah, thank you so much, friend. It's been such a pleasure. And um, if anybody were to want to reach out, ask questions either about motherhood, being a teacher, anything, um, is there anywhere specific that you would want anybody to find you by chance? Yeah, you can um, link through my Instagram account, just Aaron Sullivan. Um, I think it's, gosh, I don't even know my own handle. That's okay. 
um, Mrs. Sully, S-U-L-L-E-E, -E, uh, 10816. And uh, just reach out. Yes. Sully. I'm friendly, I promise. <laughs> she is. She is the sweetest and kindest soul you will ever meet in your life. Follow at The Working Wellbeing on Instagram and Facebook, as well as subscribe to Hear It First on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.